Hello friends and folks and welcome back to another Scanline Talks. Uh, I'm Six Detmar of Scanline Media. And I'm Jennifer Uncle of Scanline Media. And we're here for Volume 2 of Mobile Suit Gundam Battle Operation Code Fairy. Indeed. <laughs> it is a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, this one came out last week, uh, November 19th, and... Uh, at time of this recording, we are um, a week and a few days away from the final five episodes getting released. Yeah, uh, we're we're getting there. Um, we were we were sort of torn on whether or not we were going to do a volume two or just uh, just wait for uh, volume three to come out and do a two three combo. But here's the thing: volume two seems pretty good. Yeah, volume two is fucking sick. <laughs> oh, like it just after like the first five chapters or episodes or whatever we're gonna refer to them as, um, they were pretty solid. Like they had a rather basic mission structure, I'd say, but uh, it did things to keep you interested in the story and the characters, and uh, it was still fun to go out and sortie on a mission. Um, while well, 6 through 10, like, they find a unique angle for every single mission, and as it goes, the suits keep getting cooler and cooler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which honestly has me a bit worried for Volume 3. I mean, I think this, you know, there'll be, I'm sure, cool stuff happening with the story, but it's like, you kind of already gave everybody their power-ups. What are we going to do in, in Volume 3? Um, I don't know. I, I think... The after credit scene hints pretty heavily at what they're going to do in Volume 3. Like, uh, they, fairies have what appears to be a traitor in their mists, and it seems like, if I had to guess, the next five episodes are about everything falling apart. I mean, yeah, you know, from, from the beginning, um, when, even when only Volume 1 was available, um, the last... Like, if you looked at the other two volumes, it had little, like, preview text. And for volume three, it says, like, you know, like, sort of like the prelude to a massacre. And you're like, okay, so this is this is not going to go so well then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I should probably give a basic plot summary of what happens in this one. Um, sh sh take it away, please. Okay. So after the events of, uh, the, of episode five... Alma is out of commission, basically recovering from an intense fight that basically provoked some of her new type abilities. Like, she's still... She's still basically suffering from the hateful effects of Lilith as in their fight. And uh, in the meantime, um, they send out Helena on a sniper mission where... Essentially, Helena is initially just acting as backup, but uh, from the basically from the encouragement of a Zeon, what they a Zeon hotshot named uh, Ian Graydon, she kind of comes out of her shell and realizes that even though she has a sniper slash support role, she can do a lot more with the tools at her disposal. Eventually, um, while also at the same time, Mia is still working on that gigantic cannon that she uh, liberated from the 
like a wreck in a previous in a previous set of episodes. And uh yeah, while that's all that's going on, um Alma eventually wakes up, but uh due to still feeling the effects of what she went through with Lilith, she doesn't feel very competent as a leader. She's worried that she's gonna get everyone killed by pushing them into danger and steps aside for a bit. But essentially seeing Mia's uh, leadership on one of the missions convinces Alma that, okay, I have what it takes to do this. And over the course of those five chapters, everyone gets a new mobile suit. And uh, they happen to be doing so well that the Federation has uh, created a new, like, a new task force uh, dedicated to bringing down the fairies who they refer to as the witches. Um, Alma fights against Lilith again and wins pretty handily this time. And um, Barbara appears to be reporting the status of all of this to a organization that's likely the Federation in the post-credits. She, she seems, you know, like she's doing this, like, in the dead of night, you know, like, like communication and, you know, like all the lights are off and, you know, she's getting coded messages. So like, yeah, yeah, decently likely that it's the Federation that, or, I mean, the other thing that occurred to me is maybe, um, that is just like that Barbara secretly reports to higher up in, in the, um, in Xeon than we would have thought. And the higher ups in Xeon are writing them off. Yeah, I guess that's possible too. Cause like, I, Cillian never seemed like the most popular member of the Zoppy family. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, not too unpopular. I think, like, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a popularity ranking of the of the Zoppy is is, is another more complicated conversation. I guess <laughs> now that I think about it. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah, I um, so. They've done a good job, I think, with the, like, it's kind of amazing because I had a lot of, I had some criticisms definitely of the first one. I had a great time of volume one, but volume two, I, I feel like they basically improved on it in just about every way. Yeah, from the get-go, like, they drop you into a sniper mission and it's such a cool change of pace. Like, you're perched on top of this uh, section in a city and, uh... It's basically your first time in this campaign getting your hands on a sniper rifle or anything like that. And uh, the way that it smoothly transitions from that into, okay, you're still sniping, but you're going to be on the move and uh, getting into some close fights of your own. Like, it's the thing that justified the whole part one and part two structure of each uh, episode in this for me. Like, uh, they do a great job of justifying why Helena would be doing this. And uh, it's just interesting to get some time with all the characters growing individually. Like, uh, mm-hmm. and it's impressive that they're able to make that work in like a ace combat style mission structure like this, honestly. You always reference ace combat. I don't know. It's my go-to for... <laughs> It's my go-to for arcadey, like, flight sim slash mech games that show you a map and then give you a sortie button. 
One of the weirdest things about that first mission, and I think it mostly works. It got a little frustrating when I when I beat that on hard. Um, but I'm, I'm gonna call it one one, I guess, because it's you know every, everything has two parts. Um, it's a sniping mission, but it is built in the GPO two, the GBO two. Sorry, GPO two is an actual uh, mecha, uh, GBO two uh, engine, which means that weapons have a maximum range. And so you're like you're a sniper who can't like enemies will be outside of your sniping range. It's a really weird, interesting choice. Yeah, that's something I definitely noticed with one of the later uh, episodes too, where they put you in like the biggest fucking cannon tank ever, and mm-hmm. there's just a point. There's just a point where these shots will explode without falling through all the way, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah, if the crosshair doesn't turn blue, then they're out of range. Is is sort of the the language of the game, which you now come to think of it, I don't think they ever explained in this game. But <laughs> um, it's yeah, it's strange. Um, just like, I mean, again, having a sniper mission where you see people but they're too far away to snipe is just such a strange idea. Um, but I think for the most part, it actually works pretty well because like, most of the map is within sniping range. And when the enemies aren't within sniping range, it kind of like usually there's other stuff to do at that moment. And it just sort of builds tension of like, OK, there's this problem that you cannot address yet, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, also, that is the that is the one that convinced me of the power of uh, Helena's uh one of her skills, the one she starts with, I think, uh, One-Eyed Jaeger, which, oh my god, have you fucking tried that thing? <laughs> I have not, no. So that's the that's the skill that when it's activated, basically, um, you do extra damage with ranged attacks, and also you shoot twice as fast. Oh. With the sniper rifle, you're just pumping shots out. Yeah, that one. I think it went like, I thought it went by a different name, but I might have that wrong. I'm pretty sure that's the right one, but yeah, um, yeah, that one, that one is. It felt really good again on hard mode, where, like, especially because there were those parts where enemies were out of range and doing. You're supposed to be protecting these allied Zaku's who are just. They're doing the like the damaged legs walk from GBO two, where they're just fucking crawling along, and you're like, oh my god, can you do something, please? <laughs> um. But when they, like, so you have to, you know, prioritize your targets. And then when they finally get into range and you're like, I got to take care of these people instantly. And you pop one eyed Jaeger and just, you know, just like, bam, 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 bam with a sniper rifle. Very good. Like it a lot. Yeah. And by the time you get to that second part where you're like jumping up and down um, on top of buildings and onto, onto the street level, um, finding the exact right uh, angle to, like, get some shots off and keep up with the soldiers you're protecting. It's It has such a good mobility to it. Like, when I initially played this game, I was used to Maxa Boost On, which is uh, much more arcadey and has a real speed to it. And while mm-hmm. this one is slightly slower, the way that you're constantly changing your elevation to get around or on top of these buildings uh, does a lot to 
make it feel much faster than you might initially feel like you're going when you're going through the first few missions of this game. Yeah. Um, I definitely, I definitely feel that, um, it's, it's interesting because I feel like part of what they're like, you spend all of the first volume playing as Alma and it's very, it's very, I, I honestly feel like it's their, their secondary agenda is becoming clear and is really smart where I feel like I can see them trying to teach people how to play GBO2 better. Like, one of the least understood roles, I think, in GBO2 is Raid. And so for the entire first volume, they make you play a Raid, and you get used to playing Raid. And then immediately at the start of GB uh, uh, Volume 2, they're like, okay, we're giving you a support that doesn't mean you exclusively snipe and never never do anything else. Like, here's the, here, we teach you how to snipe, here's the first mission, and then the second mission, there's a guy actively yelling at you like, hey, you can mix it up too some, you know? Um, yeah, I think it's very clever. Yeah, it's a cool dual role where the hotshot pilot for this other group is both teaching the character and teaching you how to branch out and uh, do more than quote unquote play your class or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I mean, that's, you know, like part of what is really neat in GBO2 is. You know, there's the rock, paper, scissors of raid general uh, support, but, and the, and generally it is the case that, like, supports are long range and raids are up close and generals are mid range, right? But there are also exceptions to all of those. There are general snipers. There are raid snipers. There are support melees. And so it's like, it's trying to teach you, like, hey, don't let, don't just see that color and assume that's how you have to play. Um, that's, that's good. Yeah, it even tosses you trophies for playing outside of your role in these uh, missions. <laughs> like, uh, mm-hmm. the first time you do a melee kill with uh, Helena in episode 6, it gives you a little trophy pop. And moments like that keep happening throughout the rest of this volume. And then, um, so the, the next mission after that, I think, is the... Um, uh, she... Uh, Helena comes back to base and is like, "Hey, you got that Ifrit for uh, for Alma. You should give it to me instead." Um, and they're like, "Okay, sure. You know what? You talked us into it. Go out, go out in the Jaeger or the no, the Jaeger. It'll become the Jaeger. Um, go out in the Ifrit and do this like raid style mission. Um, I think this is a good mission, but I think as far as like teaching, it might be the weaker one." Um, because a lot of the focus of the early part of this mission is like, hey, use like smoke bombs to like hide your approach and get in close. And that doesn't do shit against players. That's just an AI thing. You don't, when you, when players see a smoke bomb, they don't go like, well, I guess there's no one here. (laughs) Even with the AI in this mission, it felt pretty inconsistent. Like... I only really got it to work if I was uh, popping smoke bo- when I was behind them already. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, and and it, like, in the second half of that mission, where they just start coming at you, it doesn't do anything. Yeah, there's a few missions in this game, like, from both Volume 1 and 2, that 
they introduced some weird technical complexity. Like in Volume 1, it was the one where you're leading the Federation forces around a bunch of uh, decoy Zakus. And it feels like those moments don't trigger the way that they should in the game. But uh, it's easy enough to circumvent that system failing to where it's not a deal breaker. It's kind of been interesting to watch the arc of their, like their AI um, over the course of, of GBO2 and into code fairy. Um, they do keep improving it, but also it still does have these issues where like, you know, sometimes it's overly like, you know, like mortal Kombat AI where they just never miss a shot or sometimes they just, like, start, like, juking back and forth and forget to do anything else. Uh, I've caught, like, gyms just staring off into the distance. Like, <laughs> like they're just like, I'm just thinking about some stuff right now. And I walk up and cut them in half. Um, and I think that, like, having a, a mission where you're supposed to do a lot of, like, like ambush tactics... Just that doesn't really work as well. I mean, it doesn't work as well anyway because it has, you know, the game has radar in it, right? Um, and so it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah, you for the second half of the mission, anyway. Yeah, you basically have to buy into the fiction the game is giving you, where it's like, oh, Mia invented uh, radar for mobile suits, and uh, none the opposing force doesn't have it at all. Well, what she has specifically is sonar, which is longer range. Um, the, it's, it's, it's extremely silly because they're actually, it's actually, she didn't invent it. She was like, what if I use this really old thing no one uses? Um, which kind of doesn't make any sense. But the close range stuff, I think, is still just classic radar. Oh, yeah. Which everybody has. Which is also why, if you're like, I'm going to hide, heh, heh, and you par crouch behind a building, you can see all the enemies turn to face you as they walk towards you like fucking perfect dark AI. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cover isn't really... The only cover you really get in this game is when you're getting chased and you zoom behind a building. Or like when you do like ring around the rosy with someone. That's highly effective, but... Um... Just sort of like like chasing them back and forth around a single building, letting like firing a rocket just as they're about to come out from behind the building and hits them and you duck back behind again and just doing that over and over to the final boss, perhaps. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then the next mission is uh, that mission eight, which is the debut of the Dom Nomides. Those things were wild. Is... <laughs> Yeah, so for for anyone who knows your your Gundam machines, what this is is the Dom Tropical Test Type, which Mia got midway through last volume, uh, hooked up to a Gallup uh, hover unit, like the the like land battleship that like uh, Ramble Rowell uses, like uh, one of the hover units from that hooked up to a cannon pulled off of a hill door for a 300 millimeter cannon. And so her armament loadout is her usual rocket launcher and then a heat halberd, which I've never seen a heat halberd before. It looks sick, though. Uh, a Gatling gun and then this massive 300 millimeter cannon 
with three different shells it can fire. Um, it almost, especially when you fire like the just straight fire 300 millimeter shell. I really thought I was going to wake someone up with that thing. It's just, it's like borderline clippy, that audio for the shot. (laughs) And she moves so fast with all that equipped too. Like, when I was playing as Mia at some point, I boosted around and, like, based on the size of your armaments, she just fucking books it. She has good, like, speed and acceleration, but she can't turn for shit. Um, like, if someone's in your face, you can't get out of the way, um, which I think is, you know, good, obviously, that's, that's how it needs to be, but, you know, she's got fucking three turbofan engines just on the back of her ship, <laughs> of course she's fast. <laughs> I also really like that, um, if you hit the crouch while in that thing, she doesn't move at all. <laughs> yeah. It's just little, like, little, um, like, spikes pop from the bottom of the, um, of the hover unit to sort of, like, cement her to the ground to, like, anchor her. But she doesn't, like, crouch or anything. (laughs) She can't possibly, the way she's bolted into that thing. I noticed that when we were... um, I I, I noticed that part when they started uh, having you take command points while within Mia's mobile suit. It felt so ridiculous just popping out of this gigantic thing to fly around the point for a bit and then hop back in. Mm Mm-hmm. That's also when I figured out that I hadn't realized until now you can't order anyone to use their skills when you're out when you're near when you're outside of your mobile suit. Oh, which is interesting. Okay, but I don't know. I, I don't know why that is. It just is. Um. So that you get that one, and at the end of that, you get like the first like big boss fight where you're fighting a like land battleship with uh with you know your your squad i thought that was a surprisingly fun fight wait wasn't that the wasn't that the chapter after the chapter that you fight two battleships yeah but there was one where you're going to get the frame of uh what will become titania with uh alma and uh you end up having a boss fight with a... oh you're right you yeah N- no that's no, you're you're getting. I got the order mixed up, but the boss fight for that one is the black and white riders. It's not the it's not the battleship. Okay, yeah. You uh yeah, I got the order wrong, but you definitely fight um, the battleship with the Nomides. Yeah, and that battleship fight, as you said, is a blast. Like, uh, there's a good sense there's a good sensation of both crowd control with these smaller mobile suits, and um doing your best to get uh, Alma and uh, Helena to aggro the gigantic tank so that you can continue taking shots at it. And, like, it keeps spawning waves of enemies, but, like, it does so in a tempo and a quantity that, unlike some parts of the game, I think is really well-tuned just to be like, oh, this gives you things to engage with but is still, like, fair and fun, as opposed to sometimes it just drops, you know, five enemies on your head which is not as fun. Um, yeah, I, I I really enjoyed that boss fight. Um, you're right, though. I did accidentally skip over the um, the one where they go to get the uh, the HLV, sort of the reentry vehicle that has Alma's new suit. Um, and that is the last time that you play as uh, Alma's high-mobility ground-type Zaku. 
which is uh it's I have I do have one criticism of the Titania when we get there, mm-hmm. but um it's it's you know it's farewell my friend. <laughs> um and that mission I think is actually like I I don't want to say it's the weakest one. I think it's the least unique, but I still enjoyed it. That's fair, yeah. It's definitely less unique, though, in the second half when you're fighting those two super-powered mobile suits, uh, it is very entertaining to see them, like, shift change as they continuously overheat and uh, try new things on you, like turning invisible or just moving really fast. Which is really... There is no precedent for that. I don't think, even as far as I've seen in Gun- in Gundam, in Universal Century timeline, there's anything that can turn invisible. Certainly in the one-year war, there fucking wasn't. So that's kind of a wild thing to do. Um, yeah, to be fair, though, it can only do all of that for a little bit of time before they have to get the hell out of there. <laughs> well, you only say that because it's really easy. To, that's a really easy fight. Like... Yeah, it does. It, I don't, maybe it could stay invisible for a long time. I don't know. I beat that thing in two and a half minutes. Oh, yeah, I was just talking about the plot itself because, like, it doesn't let the mobile suits get defeated entirely. What happens is that after a certain percentage of the life bar goes away, both of them evacuate because they've overheated and uh, can no longer be used for fighting. Yeah, it's a reference to they have... It's It's... You're getting into deep lore territory. It's it's because they're based on the Pale Rider, and they've got the Hades system from the Pale Rider, um, which is a special super mode that blah, 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 blah. Um, it's annoying <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> it is pretty funny when that one mobile suit turns invisible, and Mia explains it like, oh, yeah, the only thing about it is if you look really closely, you can see their outline because they're disrupting the space around them and the entire fight it is a very clear white outline around this thing even when it's not moving it's it's so dramatic it's like i feel like there it's easier to see when it's invisible (laughs) it's just this glowing white (laughs) silhouette um i don't know it's a very weird like if i mean it feels like it was mostly just a tease for volume three right but it's a weird fight. Uh, I I kind of want to do that fight again and like throw the fight so I can see what these things can do because I couldn't tell because they were so easy to body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they can get up to some fun stuff. It took me a little more work to fight them than it did for you. Mm. You just you just like it. I was like I'm just gonna like prioritize taking down the white one and then I'll worry about the black one. And it turns out all you have to do is get one of them low and the fight ends. So, uh, that meant it went very fast. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, so the other mission, like we have, we have two more missions. Is that right? Um, I think we've covered, we've covered four missions. We just have the one left. I was, yeah. Uh, we just have the final mission. Uh, which introduces, you know, new machines. We get the uh, we get the Efreet Jaeger, 
which is the final form of the Afrit, where now it has the shotgun and a sniper rifle and a heat knife. Uh, it's, it's pretty good. I, I really liked... Um, it has, like, the two firing modes, like the previous one did. Um, but if you look closely, you can see that it has, like, it's where it has a magazine loaded. It actually has two magazines side by side for the two different ammo types, which I thought was a fun detail. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, the Free Yeager's fine. I know, if it it's, feels like the least glamorous of them, right? Yeah, it, it doesn't have a massive fucking gun attached to the back of it or, like, the gigantic thrusters that are on the back of the Titania. Yeah, the Titania seems like uh like a high mobility comfort basically from uh from uh War in the Pocket. And so it's got let's see. It's got the rocket launcher. It's got a shotgun. It's got a wrist gatling gun. It's got double beam sabers and double sturmfausts. Um two grouses, right? One, you can see that it has head vulcans they didn't give it head vulcans as a weapon but like if you look at the model you can see it's head vulcans Mm -hmm. and two uh the high mobility zaku had that missile pod that was fucking incredible and losing that's a bummer because that thing was busted (laughs) (laughs) yeah but now this thing has wings like a fairy and that's why they call it titania the fairy queen has wings like a fairy, um, which are, you know, just propellant tanks, but, you know, um, it is really fast, hovers around, has great, like, boost meter where, like, even, like, a lot of, like, like dodging and stuff doesn't burn all your boost. Um, it's got a triple melee with the fucking Red Rider downswing, so for any, for most humans in the world who haven't played GBO2, the Red Rider was a machine they introduced earlier this year who um you get different attacks based on the direction you press when you press melee and the red rider's downswing was to sort of lunge forward and do a spin attack and it was fucking devastating uh you just like leap into packs of enemies and knock them all down and do a ton of damage and they just casually gave this to the fucking titania (laughs) (laughs) i mean why not you're not going to be fighting any humans with it so uh, not right now. It's going to be a reward in Volume Three. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm calling my shot. They haven't confirmed what the rewards are for Volume Three, but like, come on. Yeah, I guess if you're gonna, <laughs> if you're gonna charge people sixty bucks, you might as well just give them everything you can. I don't think they'll give us the Nomides because making that work within GBO Two. It's not impossible, but I bet they won't do it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a it's a monster. Um, it's just so fun to fun to play. It like has a has a really great like set of weapons and and mobility, and it's just that that one boss fight you get to use it, and then you can use it in the simulator, which I've done some of. It's just very very fun. Yeah, it's a really cool mobile suit, and uh, I would not be surprised if it eventually makes its way into a Gunpla as well. Yeah, I think they already said they were going to do Gunpla of uh, the two Riders and the Afrit Jaeger um, as P-Bandais at some point. 
um, yeah, they will, they'll probably do the Titania, and I maybe they won't do the Nomitas because that's so much fucking plastic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it'd be great if they did. Mobile suit with a real dump truck ass. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Booty for days. A lot of a lot of mobile suits with good asses in my life recently. <laughs> yeah, this last mission is also where you kind of uh, get introduced to. I don't even know if they have a name for the particular squadron that's going after. It's the Witch Hunt Squad. Okay, the Witch Hunt Squad. But um, you only really see Lilith uh, from the previous uh, volume and Barry. <laughs> <laughs> Barry Allen, I think, is his name. Barry Abbott. Barry Abbott. I knew it was with an A. Okay, Barry Abbott. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so Barry has good taste because he's he's piloting uh like a custom armored gym and armored gym fucking rules. Um, but he's also a chump because his part of the fight is fucking easy. <laughs> mm-hmm. He is acting as a distraction so Lilith and uh, Alma can have their fight, and even he knows it. <laughs> <laughs> He's just there as a sideshow, so there's less of a chance of Lilith getting her ass kicked, but she gets her ass kicked anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I like... I don't know. I, 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 that's a really good, satisfying like action denouement for the for the for the game so far. Where you know it's this fight that you like you won in like as a player, but in in canon you lost, and also was like that final boss fight at the end of volume one was very much like even if you like kicked her ass by the numbers, it felt like you were on your back feet the whole time, like. You won by running away and, and like, chipping away at her, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Whereas this fight, you actually have the tools to go toe-to-toe to to an extent. And it's, it's, you know, like, I did do a lot of chipping her down with, with, you know, like, running around corners and firing rocket launchers. But that's just because she had so much damn health. I also did plenty of spin attacks on her ass. I also, I wish I could have clipped it because I did finish her off on hard mode by doing the like the tackle counter and it was pretty sick where it's just like the cinematic of the flurry of slashes and then she dies um yeah sad thing about the playstation sort of like the switch publishers can just turn the recording feature off and code fairy has the record feature turned off the entire fucking campaign (laughs) so Mm -hmm. there's you can and and i think in uh all the simulator missions too. You can use it on the menu and that's it. <sighs> yeah, it's it's a story for well, it's something that has been said countless times by other people and by us as well, but like Sony really shouldn't let publishers do that. <laughs> like that should not be they should not give publishers that level of control over a function as vital to a console as recording your gameplay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna end up hooking uh, code fairy up to a capture card um like today or tomorrow um just so that i can take some footage of the mobile suits for my friends <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah i mean overall 
I, I liked the story of Volume 2, but I really liked the mission design, was I think the star, the mission design, and the mobile suit design. Um, it made me, like, again, made me really excited for the possibility of them doing more of these in different, like, like settings and stuff. Um, but, like, it's kind of it's kind of interesting the way that uh, Alma has stayed a raid, but now Helena is a general and me as a support. And the way that represents like sort of their changing understanding of what their job is, I think is is pretty cool. Totally. And uh it's fun to have uh I think the be- the story beat that works the best is when we get to spend a little bit of time with Mia and um how she is basically Sees, she basically sees herself as a failure because she's not the strongest pilot of the group, and uh, she has there are other hotshot Xeon engineers that uh, happen to focus on that entirely and uh, are more or less getting all of the attention because of it. And uh, I definitely get I've definitely been in her shoes before, where you just kind of work yourself to a point because you're seeing all these other people accomplish things and uh, it's not good for you. Just work at your own pace and recognize that you do have some ability to do unique things on your own. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's cool to see like their different stories being like reflecting sort of like their, their level of maturity in that way where like, I think Alma is the least mature. And her story is is kind of just about being like learning to get in your head a little less and also like, hey, trust the people around you. That's kind of how this works. Uh, Mia is a like sort of a existential crisis about like the validity of her work, <laughs> which I find deeply relatable. <laughs> um, and then Helena has the very mature worry of like, hey, just because you're good at something doesn't mean you need to like drive yourself into a niche which is really cool mm-hmm. yeah like i i don't i'm not sure if i would say that this story is like up to the same level as uh, some of the stuff we've seen gundam do in tv previously but uh it's good enough on its own to like make you really attach to these characters and uh have a good time playing through their stories yeah, I mean, you know, also it's not as bad as it gets sometimes in those, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because, boy, like, we haven't we haven't fridged a single woman yet, you know? It's amazing. It, <laughs> Tomino could never. <laughs> it's refreshing to have a story about women who... In Gundam, that isn't constantly talking about how much they need a man in their lives or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I am... I, I'm really appreciating also, like, speaking of, like, levels of maturity, then we also have uh, Keely, who has been a frame Like, her framing of things as it's gone on, like... You know, we talked about last time a little about like the Garma scene where she was like, "Man, maybe Garma could have done it." And you're like, "Oh, lady." <laughs> <laughs> um 
but now she's she is seeming pretty mature because she's just sort of sitting here being like, I mean, we're going to lose the war. We are obviously going to lose the war at this point. Um, gosh, I hope we're not all horribly killed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's basically the subtext of her being like, losing is an inevitability, but how we lose is up to, like, we have some control over that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like, I mean, almost going to die. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do think it's possible that Mia gets out of this alive. But Alma, I feel like, is a guaranteed death, and Helena seems pretty likely. I don't know. I it's and out you know and and Keely has you know been you know one day away from retirement since the moment we met her. She's extremely <laughs> doomed. Um, See, I, yeah, I guess. Go ahead. I was saying even more than Keely, I'm really worried about Armella because she's in a phase in this specific volume where she's constantly talking about uh, having kids and uh, being the mother of the group, so to speak, and uh, just being like, hey, I. I'm going to come to this situation, this problem you're having, Mia and Helena, from a mother's perspective. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is, <laughs> things are not looking good for her. In the, in the coding of anime, you are damning yourself, lady. <laughs> not just anime, like just stories in general. <laughs> like True, true. I feel like when anyone sw- slips into that mode, they're going to be a... They're basically the gum keeping the team together, and they're going to um, eat it at some point. Yeah, I'm I'm curious what, like... Is it Lilith ultimately takes them down? Because I don't feel like she's got it like that. I don't know. I um The side missions included with this one is one where you're playing as Alma... And honestly, I don't think that one's very good. Um, and then one where you're playing is Barry. And I like that mission, partially because you're playing as an armored gym, and I love armored gyms. Um, but also, it's just a good mission. But also, your squad mate there is Lilith, and she's fucking useless. <laughs> yeah, like, Barry's the one who, at the end of this game, has to scoop her up and be like, Look, you've lost. Your mobile suit is literally falling apart. We need to go. <laughs> and she's, you know, like, you know, I get why she's she's put as the big threat because of, like, you know, because Alma's a new type. And when someone's that pissed, that has a bad effect on new types. But, like, I'm starting to lose faith in her as a, like, a, a true, like, at this point, I find it hard to buy that she would be the one to, you know, actually kill Alma. Um... I guess it's possible that they're setting up the white and black writers to be like Lilith and and Barry, but I don't know. I mean, what what? Assuming that a lot of the crew are gonna die, like, what do you what do you imagine? I imagine the most likely scenario is that Barbara gives out location of the of their fortress slash mansion slash dormitory of sorts and. Uh, that most of the cast dies because of her. But they're probably going to die in battle, though. Like, you don't... Do you, I mean, do you, do you think it's just going to be, like, 
they're going to be, like, having a party and then artillery hits the dorm and cut to credits? No, what I think is going to happen is that there's going to be at least one or two people killed because of that, and the others are going to die to endless waves of Federation forces coming in. Okay, fair enough. Um, Because they are significantly outnumbered in this, and the the idea is that all it will take to get rid of them is just a decent number of Federation forces. Yeah, and I mean, like, the, the further this war goes on, like, the the less they're going to get any sort of reinforcements, right? They just have this, like, in t- increasingly tiny corner of, of a continent locked down. Um, and it's going to go pretty bad for them. Yeah, like, even Armella talks about it a little when she's revealed to be the baker of sorts for the team. Like, she talks about how it's almost impossible to get supplies in here and... We'll just enjoy these things while we can. So I have a feeling it's going to be... I have a feeling it's either going to be lean times broken up by an assault on their base of operations or the assault happens first and then they're on the run and on lean times. I would love it if, like, they continued this story in a way, like... We've we've seen enough Gundam to know that like you know there exist Zeon Zeon remnants after this that are just like sort of making do and continuing to fight the Federation in their own way after the one year war. I want to see like the next you know not Code Fairy the next you know whatever one of these they make, and like your commanding officer is Mio with an eye patch. Yeah, I, I think that'd be pretty fun. Yeah, she has stopped wearing her glasses in battle because she's wearing eye ta- eye contacts now and all that. Yeah, she's like, now that I, I have a scope in this thing, I can't use glasses with the scope, and can confirm using a scope with glasses is not fun. <laughs> yeah, but glasses are cool. You should wear the glasses, Mia. You look better with glasses on. Yeah, they're nice looking glasses too. Yeah. They're kind of uh, librarian-like, yeah. but she makes them work. <laughs> I mean, listen, librarian-like is not necessarily a bad look. True. Some people are very into librarian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so just just had a good time with two. Feels feels like it like plays better than volume one. Um, does some good stuff with the story and the characters. Uh, very excited to to see where volume three takes us yeah i'm looking forward to i'm looking forward to finishing this out next month i next week (laughs) we're only a week away from the new month i keep forgetting that (laughs) yeah yeah we're we're very close well uh until then folks we'll we'll be back then obviously to uh to talk volume three but uh jen where can people find you on the internet so you can find me at jbu3 on twitter.com and uh most of my podcasts and other work can be found on patreon.com slash scanline media but i also do a uh a narrative gaming book club podcast i always get the exact name mixed up in my head uh novel not new a true end podcast which you can get to by going to readinggames.online 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter at SixDetmar, S-I-X-D-E-T-T-M-A-R. You can find my work also at ScanlineMedia.com and Patreon.com slash ScanlineMedia. And actually, I'm also on Novel.New, as it turns out. Um, but really, if you like this, you should be listening to Mechanista and G, uh, the podcast I do with Dylan where we talk about designs from Gundam. Uh, we have talked about the Zakus from, from Volume 1. So. Oh, okay. But uh, none of the ones from Volume Two have come up yet. Uh, we'll we'll see. You know, listen, we're recording in less than an hour, so maybe maybe it'll happen. I don't know. Um, but until next time, folks. Peace. See ya.